0: Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Mad Lit Musings. I am super excited today because we have with us Carol, award-winning author, Christy Award finalist. Sarah Sundon, the queen of World War II fiction. Hi, Sarah.
1: Hi, Jamie, I'm so glad to see you.
0: <laughs> I'm happy to see you too, this is great. I am really excited because you just released another book. I did, it's
1: so pretty. Yes, it is
0: so pretty, called Until Leaves Fall in Paris. So it's set in Paris, correct? It is, during World War II. World War II. So tell us a little bit about your writing and your recent release and um, help us get to know your books just a little bit before we launch into other conversations.
1: Sure. Um, well, I am I write novels set in World War II, and this is my, my 14th book. I still can't wrap my brain around that number. And um, i just enthralled by the World War II era. It's just so full of you know, drama and daring and romance and um, until leaves fall in paris follows i for the three books in this contract they're not a series but they are okay. to each other they all follow americans living in nazi europe the first book when t- twilight breaks was um, two americans living in nazi germany before the war in 1938 and this book follows three, um, two Americans living in Paris. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a really interesting time period between the fall of Paris, which was in um, June 1940, up until December 1941, Pearl Harbor, America was neutral. So Americans were free to live in in Nazi-occupied France. They could leave if they wanted to. And of course, the question that inspired this novel was why on earth would anybody stay? I mean, Nazis, run. Right, right. (laughs) Go, go. But the reality is that thousands of American citizens stayed during the Nazi occupation. And so that, of course, prompted the question of why, and that fueled this novel. So I have an American ballerina, Lucy Girard, who considers herself more Parisian than American. She's lived there since she was nine years old. She dances with the Paris Opera Ballet. Uh, but when the Nazis come um, her very dear friends are almost like her foster parents. Um, they own this little English language bookstore called Greenleaf Books, which was inspired by a real bookstore called Shakespeare and Company, which was run oh. by an American woman, Sylvia Beach, through the Nazi occupation. So oh. uh, that's what inspired this, um, her story. So anyway, um, Lucy, um, the, her foster parents are, are Jewish and they want to leave but all their money is tied up in the bookstore Mm -hmm. can't leave they can't afford the passage across the Atlantic so Lucy impulsively buys the bookstore so that they can escape but now she's has to run the bookstore and she's Mm -hmm. determined to run the store so her friends can come back um Paul Aubrey is a recent widower he runs an automobile factory he's an engineer by trade and a businessman by by function and um he wants to take his little girl and go back to the United States just after his wife dies. But the U.S. Army convinces him to stay, to keep his factory running. He has to sell civilian trucks to the Germans. But because he's talking to these guys, he can pass information on to the U.S. military. However, to do that, he is seen as a collaborator, which oh. is he's working with the Germans. And mm-hmm. so or he's hated by all the people that he is actually... Um, most likely to be friends with. <laughs> right. So he is really lonely. He is a social person and he is very lonely right now when the, when the book starts. Then he meets Lucy. Um there they instantly connect. However, Lucy finds out he's selling to the Germans and she does not think much of that at all. She's actually working for the resistance. She passes us messages between the leaves of books. I love it. That's her little contribution. That sounds
0: absolutely thrilling. So we're going to end this interview right now so I can go read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the cover is absolutely gorgeous. I love the Eiffel Tower in the background Mm -hmm. and the blues. It's just, it's a beautiful cover. It sounds like an absolutely amazing book and you are well proven to be a really, really good writer. Let me just say this for anybody who's not read your books. Once you start you will not put them down. So make sure your family's prepared to, re- you know, eat cereal for supper and all that, all that stuff. So, <laughs> well, one of the things here at Madlet Musings that is really important to me is getting into not just the story, but the heart of the story and how it can affect us as readers and as, uh, as believers and our own spiritual walk. So tell me a little bit about um, Lucy and Paul and maybe the spiritual journey that you take them on and and why you chose that
1: Well the my character's spiritual journeys always come out of who they are I get to know them as people first and then I find out where, where are they weak where are they strong where do they need to grow and that fuels, their spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it's always something I've had to work through my past. <laughs> God's funny that way or something that he wants me to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, but with until Fall in Paris, it was interesting because I was coming at it from two different angles. Um, Lucy is a creative artistic sort. She finds herself running this bookstore and she hates numbers. She hates math. she, thinks of, she thinks she's not very bright because she really did not do well in school because she was always daydreaming as an artistic sort. And so her teachers told her she wasn't very bright and she believed it as children are wont to do. And, um, so here she is, she's trying to run this business Mm -hmm. and she is not cut out for it or she doesn't believe she's cut out for it. And she doesn't like anything financial she thinks it's very bourgeois she's very bohemian very left bank you know art, art artistic and so she just doesn't want to do anything bourgeois um and then there's paul who's her polar opposite he's an you know, engineer he's a mm-hmm. businessman he loves numbers and so he's trying to help lucy figure out the business end of her bookstore but as they are coming together he paul also has a little four-year-old girl who is very creative she tells he thinks her stories are really weird and and he's kind of concerned about her and maybe he needs to kind of <laughs> funnel her into a little more socially acceptable outlet for her creativity. And, and so, but he doesn't realize it's gonna crush her spirit. That's mm. who she is. She is a storyteller. So they've both come at it from these polar opposites and Lucy has to learn to appreciate you know the the business end of it, the financial end of it, even to appreciate that numbers aren't the enemy. And while Paul needs to learn to appreciate creativity and mm-hmm. teaching, you know, as they're they're kind of clashing at the beginning, especially since she really thinks he's a horrible man. And, <laughs> and but as they're doing that, they're really starting to come to in a um, to a deeper understanding. And that's something that's really dear to my own heart spiritually. Is that how God created each of us? so differently. And we all have, you know, an an innate traits that are different, different personalities, different gifts, um, different talents. And it's so important for us to, we oftentimes will see the world in our own image and well, why don't they do things the way I do them? Mm -hmm. And as opposed to appreciating others for who they are and how God made them. And that doesn't mean we don't need to change. And I think that's something that um, that Lucy realizes that, you know, she is an artistic bohemian sort, and that is the beauty of who she is. But she also needs to learn to apply discipline in certain areas where she's not strong, so that she can do her artistic work. And, and Paul also realizes that he, he doesn't realize how his creativity is already there with his car design. And Mm. But, but that kind of unleashes it so he can be a better car designer. So we do need to change. We all, we always need to know our strengths and our weaknesses. I I always said with my kids when they're growing up, because I I love personality tests. Mm -hmm. I think they're, oh my gosh, they're a blast. And of course, as a mom, I'm real quick to real quick to figure out which types my kids were in and like, okay, honey, you have this personality type. These are your strengths work on work with them they're beautiful you can use these for great good these are your weaknesses Mm -hmm. don't just say oh that's just how i am realize they're there and god may want to prune off some of those dead branches he may want to smooth off some of those rough edges um just because we are made that way doesn't mean that God can't make us into the better version of how he created us. And and he does. He wants us to be new. He created us to be new creatures. So that means all the good of how we are physically created. And then he adds on to that and, and shapes us. And so I was really encouraging my own children. And so I was doing that with Lucy and Paul too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is how so good you bought, you're yeah, proven this. And you're not gonna lose who you are, but you can also um, do more in the world too. And um, so that was it was fun to go through that journey with them and just learning that, just reminding myself and as I'm reminding Lucy and Paul and hopefully my readers, uh, just the beauty of um how how and also how god works in the world uh yeah. lucy talks about um how god created a, paul mentions that some that um his daughter's skill isn't useful it isn't mm. useful. she's a storyteller it's not very useful and lucy riffs about how um well god made beauty and it's not useful god made music it serves no purpose and god made colors they serve no purpose at all but he created them and um and that's good obviously god created it it is good and so that kind of sits on paul but he also reminds her that god created the universe in order with math- mathematical laws that cause it to function in a certain way and science, scientific rules that that create this order and that God is a God of discipline and order. So they are both right. And, um, and I think that's, it deepens our appreciation of the Lord when we start to see different aspects of who he is. Um, and part of it is expressed in, in how he created us. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: have you ever struggled with, or worked with somebody who struggled with Knowing the gifts that God's given them and not liking that he gave them those specific gifts. Like, you know, there's times when, you know, as a character in a book or even even as myself, I'll look and be like, I wish I was really good at math. I'm not. I wish I was good at math. Um, But then there's also people that I've run into who are exceptionally talented at something and they undervalue it or they almost wish they didn't have that. How would you respond to them? If, oh. if they
1: brought that up to you. Oh, I love that, you know, um, this actually came up in my small group at church and we were talking We were talking about spiritual gifts or something at one point and, our, and one of the ladies said, oh, I don't think I have any spiritual gifts. I'm not, I don't very, I, re, I don't really, and she said, I don't think I really do much in the church. Mm. And every single one of us in the room gasped because we know this woman. She may not serve in a ministry in church,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but she is the first person when somebody is sick to bring soup or spaghetti. Um, her friend was in the, in a long-term care facility for months mm-hmm. and went every single day and sat by this woman's side and talked with the nurses and, and every single day. Uh, so I was like, Oh, you minister in so many ways she ministers in her family she ministers in her community you cannot be friends with this woman and not be ministered to Mm. like oh you have a gift you might not be able to check off a box and say oh yes i i teach sunday school but oh i mean but you see i don't do what she does i'm not that person and um what she does is so vital. So, and I and I love and I do love those conversations. And when people say, "Oh, I don't do anything," like, and I like to find and like, but you do yeah. this, but you do this. And what was fun was that everybody in the room was doing the same thing for her at the same time. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you do so much. So, and I and I I, I love that because that was how God, that's how God created her this mm. really warm and giving heart, and um and and she'll just give up anything to help somebody, a friend, even you know, somebody she doesn't know very well, that's just who she is. Yeah. And what a beautiful gift that is. And I'm so thankful for it because I don't have that gift. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we need all those different
0: gifts to complete exactly. the circle of need within mm-hmm. humanity around us. But exactly. yeah, I always find it interesting how some of the most gifted People and not I, when I say gifted, not necessarily talented, but gifted as in God has mm-hmm. given them certain abilities. Um, yes, often don't realize it because to them it's such an innate part of who they are. It doesn't seem special, yeah. or exceptional. So how do you help someone find their self worth or their value mm-hmm. in how God's created them if they can't see it?
1: Yeah, and I I, I love that I teach women's Bible studies and I also teach. <laughs> in in kids. I teach Sunday school for fourth and fifth graders. And, you know, this comes up a lot. Um, And I I really love getting to know the women and the children. And, and it's something very dear to my heart is when they, there was one woman in my women's Bible study, we were talking about, and she felt the same, like, I don't think I really have anything. And so we started talking, what are you good at? What do you like to do? She has administrative skills. Mm. She started working With women's ministries coordinating the bible studies setting up the rosters doing all that she doesn't like to be in front but she loves to be behind the scenes and getting all that stuff straight and she keeps saying oh it's i'm not really doing very much like oh yes you are because people hate doing that stuff and you're doing it and it's it's so important because if she didn't do her work nobody would be there at the bible study because nobody would know where to go or have their name tags or anything so um i i really like to help people see where they're good and try to tease that out. And, mm-hmm. um, especially with the children really reinforcing what I, what I see, um, when I see somebody doing, when I see a child doing something, um, I'll, I'll really try to praise them for that and say, yeah oh, that's really a wonderful thing to do. Thank you for doing that. Um, just to help them see. And, they, and of course, you know, kids, when you say something like that, their face, oh, really? <laughs> uh, you know, there was one little boy in my class a couple of years and this kid just had the best heart. And, um, he was also, we had a group that year that just, they couldn't sit still. They just couldn't sit. They were just, there were some of these kids that were just kind of rude and distracting the other kids. And we had one little boy, really sweetheart, but he just was always goofing off and trying to make the other kids laugh. Well, this other little boy who was Mr. Rule's follower, and he, that boy was goofing off. And in the middle of the lesson, he turned around and he told him, stop it and the boy was goofing off and the way he said it was just firm it mm-hmm. was and and it was like you know, basically stop it we're trying to listen to the lesson and he was just very firm and authoritative and it was really a beautiful thing and it would have i i don't think anybody noticed what was going on but i i or, or thought to comment on it but I'm mm-hmm. like you know something big just happened here because yeah. he showed leadership hmm also took a step of courage because the kid who was goofing off was very popular because he was so, oh. fun. so for him to rebuke him could have cost him some social clout so for him to do right. that and he also did it in a very it wasn't rude he wasn't like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> in such a great way so I pulled him over and his friend too that also kind of um quietly reinforced him and so I pulled him over afterwards and, thank you for doing that. And I appreciated it as the teacher who was trying mm-hmm. to, teach. and um, I also explained, you know, you know that they take, that was courageous for them to do that. And it was good leadership. And then also that boy listened to you and both of their faces. Oh, you could just see them, just I see them that coming out as, as just that little stop. Just that little moment I, I took to praise them for what they had done, you could just see them becoming, you know, the man coming out of them. And there was, oh, I love it! Like, well, yeah, so I'd like to. So, I think that's also like when we notice somebody doing something that it takes courage or gifting, yeah, to to call attention to that and thank them for that. And sometimes that's all you need. And um, that's how I'm teaching. Um, I was. Ex- in a women's Bible study. And she asked a question. And I, I was always the one to ask her questions. I was that kid with the hand up always in school. But afterward, the teacher came up to me, and she says, Sarah, you should be teaching. I'm like, Oh, no, no, I shouldn't be teaching. You know, that's, that's, I'm, I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm like, well, then learn about the Bible. <laughs> but Because she saw it in me, mm-hmm. stood out of me. And it turned out that yes, that was teaching was my, my primary spiritual gift. And Now I use it and boy, do I love using it. So, but if she hadn't pointed it out to me, I might have kept telling myself, oh no, I can't teach, I can't teach. So, you know, she was a friend to me and mentor, so. Yeah, and that's, it's funny now that you're giving those examples,
0: I'm noticing there seems to be a common thread. And I'm sure this is even in your book Mm -hmm. where to use your gifts requires courage in the face of potential threats you know, whether it's a threat from Nazis. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't necessarily have that right now. But, you know, you know, in the novel, threat from Nazis or, or a threat from the resistance or, or whatever way you look at it. Um, And, you know, that little boy threat from social clout, from friendships, losing popularity. And, you know, even with yourself, when you think about being pointed out that you should teach and you had it before, yeah. that takes courage, especially depending on your personality. Because a lot of people are like, I'm not getting up in front of anybody and leading them in any type yeah. of anything let alone a study on the bible yeah. <laughs> so courage really does exactly. seem to it's play. like oh, <laughs> what no yeah oh yeah so yeah. when you were when you were writing I think that
1: also plays into-
0: yeah oh go ahead well I was just going to ask when you were writing the um the story how did you incorporate courage then into using those gifts and how does that play into daily yeah, life actually
1: that- yeah, a huge. Um, so, especially for Lucy, I think primarily okay. for Lucy because her it really takes courage for her. Um, she once again she doesn't think she's smart, but she actually is. And just her intelligence lies in a different direction than you know. She, you know, she wouldn't be able to pass a you know math test really well, but she's brilliant in other ways. But um, when she has this idea to help the resistance, she notices a guy in the resistance passing messages in her book. But she also realized that, that it's not being done in a and it's being done in a way that could possibly get him caught. Mm. She comes up with an idea that she could help and decrease the risk for them. And so she approaches this young man in the resistance and with her idea. And he, of course, he being in the resistance can get shot if he gets noticed that he's in the, right. So he, and he's, he's leery of her and he shuts her down and basically don't talk to me this ever again. And of course that feeds into her, her self-worth like, Oh yeah. What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't come up with a clever plan. What was I thinking? Um, but eventually he does accept her idea and she starts doing it, but it did take her courage to, to step forward and ask. And then it takes great courage for her to be working with the resistance. Um, she feels, once again, she feels like she's not doing much. She's just allowing her books to be used. She, um, you know, she does have to pass some code phrases. Um, She's taking a greater risk than she realizes. But um, the courage to do that, um, she really has to discover something new about herself, that she is, Mm -hmm. that she can be more with the Lord than she is naturally by herself. Mm. And then she also needs courage to learn how to run the bookstore. She has to um, trust Paul Aubrey. I mean, she thinks he's this horrible bourgeois collaborator. <laughs> and she doesn't think all. all. <laughs> other than that, he's kind of, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always a plus. Yeah, he's got <laughs> um, she, she has to trust him and she's trusting her store with him. And that's, it's so much. And she, um, she doesn't want to fail.
0: hmm
1: She wants to keep the store running for her friends and also because it's she feels it's a light in Paris um the the Nazis have um darkened Paris not just physically but they're shutting things down um culturally and she has this bookstore that she's running and it's a it's a, a, a cultural center in her neighborhood and so she really wants to keep it running so um yeah she and so much about courage and you don't really find you have it until you try to do it. And so she has to step out in faith and then find that um, she will be given the courage to do what she has to do. Yeah. And I
0: like what you said too, where it's really what the strength that the Lord gives us. And it brings that, that scripture that to me is so often an oxymoron when I'm weak, then I am strong. And you're like, what? That makes no sense, but it really does in the, in the, in our weakness, God infuses us with his strength and purpose. And, and I, you know, my dad had always said too, that sometimes we're given gifts for a moment and not necessarily for our whole lives, but it's just that for such a time as this, whatever that be, whether it's in the resistance and helping, you know, which seems really dramatic in hindsight as a reader, you know, you look back on those days and these stories and you're like, oh my goodness, the courage, but I'm sure the yeah. people who really did that at that point in time, it almost seemed a little bit like a daily event and just something they had to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And God
0: really infused them with that conviction and that, that yeah. ability to do that. So
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Awesome. Well, this is so much fun talking with you, Sarah. And I, do. I love talking about the story, but also the deeper elements of the story. And readers, if you want to check out Until Leaves Fall in Paris, um, there's also another book before that, When Twilight Breaks, and they are standalone, right? Yes. Um, but they do carry kind of that same theme of Americans over in Europe during the war. Um, you can find information on Sarah at sarasunden.com. That's dot com, And Sarah's got all her stuff right there. So you can go there and just click and buy it now. You can find out how to follow her on social media. And she's really fun to follow. So you're going to want to stay stay on her news feed for all those fun World War II posts that she likes to throw up there. So I like this. So <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we look forward to more books from you in the future. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.